Hello, everyone, and welcome to Challenge Talk, uh, part of the Geocache Talk Network. We broadcast live on the first Thursday of each month, so feel free to jump over to YouTube or Facebook to watch the broadcast live and join the wonderful and active chat room or listen to the entire show on your favorite podcast player. Hi there. In this episode, we'll be discussing some basic challenge etiquette with some unique logging mechanisms. There may be some wiggle room in how some people manage their challenge caching activity. So we're going to talk a bit about that tonight. And if you're new to the podcast or challenge caching, we're working through some of the basics of, the as of this aspect to our geocaching hobby to lay the groundwork for some of the more advanced creative ways we can enjoy challenges. We also like to highlight your challenge accomplishments each month. So between each show, don't forget to email your challenge cash finds to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com. And you could win a prize to be given away each episode. And later in this show, we'll be playing our exclusive game for the live audience, Wheel of Challenges. <laughs> so get your email program ready and follow instructions when the time comes and you could have a chance at winning the grand prize, which is a one-year membership to Project GC. Last show, I said one month. It's one year. It's one year. <laughs> And while we're on the topic of free stuff for the month of September, you can also use the promo code GEOCACHE to save 30% on your Right in the Rain orders. That's like notepads, paper logs, pencils, pens, loads of quality tots, tools of the trade. You got to check out their website because they've got tons of stuff, including lots of things re related to geocaching. Uh, I've found a lot of uh, Right in the Rain logs out in the field uh, over the years, and they hold up really well in the rain. They the are the best. I once bought a pack <laughs> of right in the rain copy paper. I just cut that thing into strips. It goes forever. It's the best investment. Yep, and they they uh, sell log sheets already pre-printed mm -hmm. for geocaching and all that. So worthwhile. Go check out the website and use geocache to save thirty percent on your orders. So tonight we are once again your hosts, Emily Renee. Hello. <laughs> and Jeff from Cash the Line. Uh, so let's start off with another quick community question icebreaker. Ice uh, we ask, uh, ask you to send in challenge caching related questions and we watch for common or popular topics of discussion out in the community. So this show's icebreaker question is, how do you typically sign log sheets either geocaching solo or with a group? Emily? Well, I, when I saw this question, I thought I've never not signed my own name. So typically if I'm caching with someone, it's only a few more people. And so we're always using our own names. So I've never thought of signing with a group name. I can think of maybe one instance where it was a kayak cache that was a challenge cache as well. A lot of times when I'm kayaking with the group, we give ourselves some kind of flotilla name. So maybe once it happened, but my habit is my own name. Mm. Yeah, like especially with the uh, smaller log sheets, those really like thin ones. I tend to write a, a short form of my personal name, but yeah. Right. So only I will do E R. Yeah, and I go with TB0. It's it's nice. Everybody's got to have a short form of their name for in situations for just like that. log books, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, same with the group. We tend to uh, log or, or sign the log sheet with the group name. Usually some acronym, ac acronym, that's the word, mm -hmm. um, uh, of the first letter of everybody's caching name. And that's usually enough to uh, identify us, which is why in a lot of my videos, we have Team Fart. <laughs> F-A-R-R-T. It's the best word we could come up with. That's, name. that's great. <laughs> um, it, it There was an interesting situation that came up recently because uh, there was a geocache challenge that um, was raised in one of the uh, geocaching groups, the Alaska Borough and Census Area Challenge, uh, where the first to find... Uh, the people who claimed the first to find actually, well, they claimed it, but they hadn't signed the log sheet. Uh, so they, it's, it looks like they visited the entire, the, the geocache and completed the challenge successfully. And this challenge is not an easy one, apparently. Uh, 
-hmm. And for the longest time, people were writing notes. And then just recently, someone went out for the second to find and found an empty log sheet. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's somewhat related, but yeah, you kind of want to make sure that you are signing that log sheet when you visit. Yeah, there are very few rules in geocaching and sign the log is one of them. <laughs> um, and we will talk a little more about that later as well in the topic of etiquette. But uh, don't forget to email any of your challenge caching questions to challenge cache challenge talk podcast at gmail.com and any community questions we may show we may chat about in a future episode so if we move on to our monthly challenge statistics update um, we project gc provides lists of a summary of their uh, challenge caching checker scripts and so Checking just earlier today, the numbers, as of today, we have 5,113 active scripts. These are the things that handle all of the challenge algorithms uh, that create those checkers. And that was up 277 from last month. So people are coming up with new ideas regularly. Awesome. And we have 33,109 unique challenges. That means that um, these are different parameter sets. So using those 5,000 scripts, there are variations uh, using those scripts to create these challenge checkers. That's 33,000 up, almost 1,000 from last month. And the third one is almost 40,000 active tags. And those are the unique checkers. So that could be, uh, there, there's checkers that might be duplicate challenges uh, across different GC codes. You know, right. if, you, if you see a challenge and uh, you think it's a really cool idea, you can copy that and re-tag it for your G GC code. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what that means. There are 39,756 unique GC checkers, GC listing checkers. And that's up 1,226, 1,226 from last month. That's a lot of activity in one month. <laughs> it's, I, I think those numbers are only ever going to go up because, again, that's not tracking archived caches. That's mm -hmm. just number of active stuff, um, which is why I also kind of like tracking the uh, challenge caches in Ontario because we've got so many. And interestingly, it seems like this has been a slow month because last month there were 1,214 active challenge caches in Ontario. It only went up by four in the, this month, hmm. checking as of today. And worldwide of active challenge caches. This is currently searching by challenge in the title, mm -hmm. in the cache title. There are 29,522, which means it has gone up 580 new challenges worldwide in the past month. So they're still they're still coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That, Keep them coming. More for us. That's to the number. Yeah, and that's the number that can uh, waver because of archivals, right. cache archivals, and whatnot. Right. And that kind of leads into a very quick news item that I'm sure has been covered by so many people everywhere in the past few days. But it's and so that, relevant to us. Oh, yeah, and it's so helpful. And that is the addition of four new attributes in the collection for the website and for the mobile app. Um, that is, there are, there's... Uh, Four cash, four uh, attributes. There's an attribute for bonus caches, so that's the extra, um, extra cache that you would find after completing a full series of caches or Adventure Lab. There's a power trail attribute, so those are the attributes that would be applied to caches that are uh, obviously in a line along a trail, along a river, uh, and you know that's that's another topic for. Maybe geocache talk. <laughs> Power trails. Oy. And uh, and then now the interest, most interesting one, I think, is the solution checker attribute. Uh, it's entirely automated. They uh, have a script that will add and remove that particular attribute, attribute depending on whether the mystery cache that it's applied to has the, uh, the coordinate checker on it. Mm -hmm. So if the cache owner has added it, then that attribute will be there. Some people have said there that they could use that practically, like searching or uh, keeping it out. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how that gets used uh, coming up. But the best attribute that was just added 
<laughs> is challenge cash attribute. That's right, the challenge cash attribute. We can now identify challenge caches with a dedicated attribute. Uh, and that can be applied to pre-moratorium and post-moratorium challenge caches. Uh, so if you are a challenge cache owner, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Help us out. <laughs> because have caches can have the word challenge in them and not be an official challenge cache. So yes. this can help weed that out instead of just searching by cache name. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so it's good to have that on. Uh, <laughs> as long as long as cash owners use it, then it'll be useful. Obviously. Yeah, I think, didn't I read right that if you produce a new challenge cache in the future, you will be required by reviewers to add that attribute. Yes. So, so post hopefully moving forward, it will be used correctly. Yeah, post-moratorium challenges are much easier to manage because it's obvious if it's a challenge cache, you have to have the project GC checker. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you also have to have the attribute, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so interestingly, by statist a statistical search now, we can do this, searching for active challenge caches with the attribute worldwide. There are, since Tuesday, yes, mm -hmm. uh, there are already over 14,000 active, or around 14,000 active challenge caches worldwide with the attribute. So cool. HQ may be running scripts and cache owners may be adding them. Uh, but those numbers are going to keep going, going up, up continuously. Uh, hopefully at some point they will come very close to a basic search for challenge in the title. So that brings us to our topic for this show. We, I think that's the fastest we've got through the intro. <laughs> it was. <laughs> the topic for this show is challenge caching etiquette. Um, we, we cover a lot of, we covered the history of challenge caches in the first episode and uh, a brief rundown of various statistics used for challenge caches. Uh, and so we're going to touch on some basic etiquette now um, because there's a little bit of variation in people's strategies for qualifying and finding and logging challenge caches. Yeah, I think strategies is a good word there because mm -hmm. hard and fast rules, maybe not, but strategy, yes. Yeah. Um, so while we discussed earlier about log sheet signatures, um, I, I, you know, in, in my area, there are so many challenge caches that a lot of the cache owners uh, can get kind of hands on with uh, the signatures and verifying people's qualifications and that sort of thing, especially those pre moratorium challenges where there may not be a challenge checker. Right. And people may qualify or unqualify. So some cash owners will verify the knit signatures on the log sheet with the log the log finds on the listing. Mm -hmm. So uh, personally, one, one of the things I try to do is, especially on challenge caches, make sure my own name is on that log sheet. Uh, even if I'm with a group and we sign a group name, uh, I know a, a number of friends who... If yeah, say if it's like uh, on a river or up a tree, they'll sign the group name. But then, if anybody wants to, they'll also have like if anybody from who doesn't have isn't holding the log sheet wants to have their own username, uh, their caching name on that log sheet, then they'll write those names individually as well, mm -hmm. just to make sure. Because if there's any question about who was within that caching group for that day, then there's there's no question that that person was actually there. Their name, their right. log, their caching name is on the log sheet. <clears throat> and that that's that's, I mean, you, you get different opinions about that, but uh, um, it's it's generally a good idea anyway to make sure that your personal name is on the log sheet. Um, but that that helps with yeah, the cash, especially owner. if you worked really hard for something. Don't jeopardize it. Just a few a few moments to write your name isn't much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so that that moves into logging online. Uh, as if you're aware of how challenge caches work, in order to log the find complete online, you need to qualify and have signed the log sheet. And because of that, 
Uh, a lot of people have different ways of tracking their progress towards qualification or whether they've signed and qualified or not yet qualified but found the cash and signed. So because of that whole gray area, uh, there's different strategies and how people track those that that um, that progress through qualification and finding. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, well, go ahead, Emily. Like, what what do you what's your strategy for logging cash challenge caches and keeping track of them online? Sure. So if I well, I, I guess I'll start out with I didn't realize it just kind of didn't dawn on me the value of if I'm driving past a challenge cache, I should put my name on the log, even if I don't qualify yet. Because what if I'm not through here again, anytime soon? Um, at first, it wasn't I, I didn't even think it was a matter of right or wrong. I just didn't see the value in it. But as time went on, I thought this is so good. I'm like kind of capturing my right to log this cache later by doing one of the things, signing the log. So if I have signed the log, I will write a note because you can easily go back and see which caches you've written a note on. And so if I'm not sure if I've signed a log that I haven't found or not, that's one easy way to keep track of it for myself. I mean, I could bookmark it or something, but I usually track with the write note feature. And then when I know I've qualified, I'll do my official found it log with my proof. Yeah, and, that, and that's interesting because uh, there's there's no real integrated way to pull up a list of caches you've posted a note for. There is an option on the uh, on the geocaching website to to, to list your log types, and yes. so you can bookmark the page to view all of your. Uh, uh, Law, uh, note posted. Mm -hmm. um, that's what on, I was on yeah, thinking of through. Mm -hmm. I use yeah. that's how I do it. Find my right note logs. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, Butterfly Girl made an, another good point. I usually sign the group name, but tell that in my log and who I was with. Yeah, I've done that before. Maybe not necessarily for challenge, but when I've group cached. Yeah, and and like that tends to be a, a fairly common strategy for pretty much any group caching in my area as well. Cause um, especially with large groups, it's <laughs> who's keeping track of who is part of the group all day, right? So a lot of the time the group name will be in the log and then anybody who claims to be with that group will, will claim it as a find as well. Mm -hmm. And that has happened quite often. So if it's a smaller group, like you were with four or five friends or something, then yeah, same, same thing as butterfly girl said, I'll, uh, include, hey, I was out caching, we were a team, whatever, and uh, out caching with so-and-so and so and, and list their names out. And then if some, like somebody wouldn't be able to come along and say, oh, I was part of that group. And yeah, I logged it as found because we've said who was, uh, who was with the group in the online log. Right. So it's another, another good strategy uh, to do with that as well. Um, but yeah, as for, for logging the note and the find, same sort of strategy for me. I'll, I'll log, if I, find the cache before qualifying, I'll log the note, and then I will add it to a bookmark list as found but not qualified. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, and, th and then you can just pull up that list and uh, and then you can see, like, you can even, if you want to, add that cache to your ignore list and come back to it later because then it won't show up on the map. I never thought of that. Yeah, because if you've already found it, you don't necessarily want to see it all the time. Right, right. Um, so that's one thing you could do. Uh, and then the other one is if I qualify for a cache first, but I haven't found it yet, you know, wh what do you do then if you you want to know if you're out caching that that cache is ready to be found? It's like pretty much a regular traditional cache now. Yeah. Because you've already qualified, you can log it found. I have a to-do list, bookmark list. It It's kind of geographically broad, but... If I have qualified for a challenge, I'm a geek. I, I'm a geocaching geek. I won't forget that I've qualified. And I will remember the next time I go to such and such an area, I've got to get that cash. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that I leave room in my memory for geocaching you, things. <laughs> you have a very good memory. <laughs> I, I, I would not be able to remember all of that. Then again, for me personally, I love challenge caches. So I've got a bookmark list of 
all of the cash, all of the challenge caches in Ontario. I tracked the stats as you heard earlier. And uh, so I've got, this is partly another topic as well, but I've got a text file that lists my progress on all of my unqualified challenge caches in Ontario. Mm -hmm. It gives tons of goals to, to uh, work towards whether or not I'm going to be finding them in the future. But having that list is really helpful because then, yeah, as soon as I qualify for a cache, I can load up the listing and then mark it, uh, um, and then add it to a qualified but not found list. And uh, coming back to that, now realizing that that cache is findable if I'm there, um, you, one of the little tricks I see a lot of people do actually is use the, here, I'll bring it up on screen, is use the, uh, the corrected coordinate feature because now if you were to correct the coordinate to the same posted coordinates where the cache is then that shows up on your map with yeah. the little pencil icon as corrected coordinate kind of like a puzzle cache you solve the puzzle and you've got the final coordinates you correct the coordinates and then that pin moves to wherever that cache actually is now that's a great idea because that's kind of like an unusual icon on your map that is going to catch your eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it stands out, especially when you've got like a field of mystery caches. Mm -hmm. And let, let's say you've got a forest full of mystery challenge caches, and some of them are hard and some of them are easy. You can, if you've qualified for half of them, now you can see which of those caches you can find and log online because yeah. you have that little pencil of the coordinate, uh, corrected coordinate great idea mm. so again that's the same same sort of order because you can't log the find until you qualified and signed uh, a lot of people tend to post that note first and then log the, uh, the find once they've signed the cash um, the, the, it's another thing for yeah moving into uh, providing evidence of qualification pre moratorium there was technically no project GC checker, so no script to automatically give you your uh, layout, your your um, all of the details about your qualification for that challenge. So part of the difficulty of challenge caches was doing all that work yourself. <laughs> right. I have instant flashbacks of these multiple bookmark lists I've created to show this is a bookmark for qualifying for this cache and this other cache. And sometimes they overlapped. Um, yeah if the topic was similar, but yeah, I have multiple old school bookmarks for that. Yeah. Those old challenge caches. That said, yeah. Yeah. That uh, had a challenge that you had to find 200 caches to qualify, create a bookmark list of all those caches. Yes. And there's your, there's your evidence. Um, and, or, or list out all the GC codes. Uh, and, and sometimes those challenges, because there's the maximum character count on logs, you couldn't put, <laughs> your entire qualification into a log. I haven't thought about that in such a long time, but yeah, <laughs> that is so true. And it was it was like the logging your qualifications was part of the challenge. It just took time and and secretarial work, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and 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 that's one of the differences now is that pre-moratorium you had to do all that work and the cash owner would have to assumingly would have to uh, verify all of that information to say, right. yes, you can log it found or leave your find log in place. Now at the checker, you don't necessarily even have to put the details in your log. Right. Um, because you can just, uh, the cache owner uh, can just put in the username and then double check themselves. Now yeah. there is, as a side note, there is, if you are not a member of Project GC, you can only do, I think it's 10, uh, 10 checks a day, 10 oh, interesting. checks a day. I didn't know that. So if you're a cash owner with a whole lot of challenge caches, you don't necessarily want to verify every single user when they keep posting their logs. So I really frequently see people screenshotting their verification from Project GC and adding it to their log. So mm -hmm. not, not mandatory, but I see it a lot. Yeah, which is why it's a good good point of etiquette as a challenge cache finder to post some kind of uh, visual evidence that you've used Project GC and checked and verified um, because you don't know if the cash owner is a member or not and it would be very, very annoying. It's not a 
not a not a nice task to have to go through every user on all your challenge caches to double check. Yeah. And owners should be technically doing that. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, the there are some pre-moratorium challenge caches that have that have had cache owners say uh, you need to sign the log before qualifying mm. or you need to qualify before signing the log. And technically that's considered an additional logging requirement because. Right, right. And I think that's what had me maybe slow in adopting the sign the log, even if you don't qualify for, because mm. I've lived in two different regions and we all know geocaching has different flair in different regions. And so if you haven't really studied and you see this one owner requiring one thing and a different owner requiring another, mm. you know, I just didn't really get into it at first to know what's who's being excessive and who's being correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you kind of have to think about the other people first, but at the same time, cash owners have um, an agreed responsibility uh, that's, you're, you're, it's kind of like uh, earth caches. If, if people just post their fines without sending information and the cache owner doesn't do anything about that, then they could be held responsible for basically armchair logging. Um, but right. if you, you, as a cache owner, uh, you technically do need to verify that people logging the fines on those caches actually qualify for the challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that rule was just... Uh, a good piece of information. Like that's the actual um, uh, line that says, yeah, you need to, uh, you can sign the log at any time and the challenge cache can be logged as found on online only after the log is signed and the challenge tasks have been met and documented. So two that's parts, but either order. Yeah. And the cache owner is the only person who can verify that. <laughs> so good etiquette. Qualify, get your details, get your proof, and post it with your log once you qualify. Um, there is another little um, potentially controversial thing, <laughs> depending on how much of a cash cop you want to be. Uh, I keep bringing up this challenge, the Alaska Bro Challenge, but if you uh, use Project GC there is a browser plugin that they provide which um which does a couple of things it cross-references the gc code that you're on and provides a little extra list of all of the challenge checkers that are associated with it um so in this particular case for example the alaska borough and census area challenge there's no project gc checker in the description but somebody, whether the cash owner or a community member, has created a Project GC checker. So this little browser plugin will show, uh, show that any checkers associated with it. If we were to uh, load up my um, Ironman bingo challenge, which is <laughs> a good example of a challenge with loads of things to qualify for, um, there are no checkers for any of these, or I didn't create checkers for any of these tiles, mm -hmm. but other people have created checkers because they're all kind of individual challenges to complete. And if you don't have the script to do all that, then somebody will be like, okay, this is too much work to, to check. So I'm going to create, I'm going to request a script for 35, a streak of 35 days of traditionals. And that will show up in this list because it's associated with the GC code for this challenge. Um, so going back to the stats, that's why the tagged, the number of uh, unique tags is important because you can have multiple checkers per per challenge cache. Uh huh. Uh, so it's it's I mean, something good. Deeper into that. That's I not anything I've ever played with. <laughs> that's a topic for another show. <laughs> it can get pretty complex. Uh, but as a cache owner, like if you get to the point of placing a challenge cache, then there's going to be a whole lot of uh, tricks and uh, and details to, to get used to. So we'll eventually get to that, I think. Mm 
Um, so I guess as a cash owner, this came up just before the show, talking to Jesse about challenge caches. <laughs> so this is now etiquette as a cash owner. If you own a pre-moratorium challenge, mm -hmm. would you create a challenge checker and add it to your listing for other people, for the community? Because let's say you created it 10 years before you needed checkers. Right. Now that we have the ability to have a checker, would you add a checker to your challenge cache? Personally, I totally would. But I guess my question is, can you create a checker for everything? Which is kind of the point of the new rules. So is it even possible for all of them? It would depend. Uh, see, this is a good question to ask a script writer, mm -hmm. <laughs> a checker script writer. Um, from my experience, there are definitely some challenge caches that are ridiculously difficult to create an algorithm for. Um, and then you've also got the limitations of the language that the script yeah, is written yeah. in as well. So the, uh, the rules right now basically state that you have to be able to create a script for it. So that already eliminates some pre-moratorium challenge ideas because you wouldn't be able to create a script for it right. or you wouldn't, you wouldn't find anybody who would want to. <laughs> um, so I guess if, if there's a possibility of it, then yes, I, I like to do that's the kind of stuff. I'm the kind of person who will check my cache pages, make sure the pictures are still loading. Um, I add congratulations to the first to finder. I'm, I'm just kind of all in. I, I love geocaching. I love adding whatever little touches I can. So I would, if, if I had the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just finding our way, uh, correctly said that not all challenges are scriptable because some data doesn't come across the API, which is also true. And that so statement is over my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's a topic for another show. <laughs> With a guest speaker. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's it. There's still a lot of challenge caches out there that don't have checkers on them. Uh, obviously some of them can't have them and those pre-moratorium challenges are not required to have them, but yeah, I, I think I would agree. I mean, if you, if you, uh, have the option to create a checker for it, then it's just nicer for, for people. Now I, the one exception that I would say is that sometimes the challenges created pre-moratorium were difficult because of the effort required to determine if you qualify mm -hmm. or to find qualifying caches. And in those cases, I wouldn't necessarily blame the cache owner for not adding up a, a checker. Now that can't, that doesn't stop someone else from tagging a checker for that GC code. Okay. But going back to that, uh, browser plugin. Um, if somebody else does it who's not the cache owner, that checker will show up in the sidebar, and the cache owner may not know about it, or they might. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a way for the community to help, I guess, make challenge caching a little easier for themselves. <laughs> yeah. If you find a if you find a challenge that doesn't have a checker on it, and it's possible to create a checker, you can request it and tag it for that GC, and then anybody will have access to it. I like it. Something to, to explore for me. Mm -hmm. um, so moving on then to the challenge FTF. <laughs> That's I, good. I have a unique story around that because as we all have said, and you've heard another podcast, FTF is not an official statistic. It's not necessarily recognized by ground speak. So the story just is interesting because it really pointed out three different FTF possibilities on one challenge cache. And so I learned about this cache. I referenced it in our first show. It was my Emily's 40th birthday challenge. I, I don't remember the exact title. And so it had all kinds of things related to the number 40 you had to qualify around. And I found out about it at an event and other people were at the event. So we were talking about it and I decided I need to go get this. It's an hour away, but it's about me and I've got the time. I got to go get this. So I get to it and there were other people on the logbook. That's cool. So they were kind of like the first to physically find it. They didn't claim it. I didn't even know they were there. They didn't post a note on the page. So I signed the logbook 
and I drive home. I'm kind of old school. I like to get back home, settle in, write a good note. And so that was what I was planning on doing. So when I open up my laptop, get ready to write a note, I see someone had logged a first to find and they're like, first to find, um, you know, big capital letters, exclamation points, all of that. And I'm like, what? I you I was totally first to find there were no other names on the log. And so um, we're figuring this out what's happening. And so some of the folks from the event that day were all chatting with each other, trying to figure out who's first to find and it turns out there was a spot on the pre-printed log sheet for first to find, you know, you've seen that before. And I didn't sign in that spot. I didn't even think about it. I was just happy to find that cash. And I put my name on the log in the next available spot. And so that person thought I didn't qualify maybe. And so they claim first to find because they used the actual spot on the log. They happily gave it over to me because I was, chronologically first to find first to qualify together those two components but it was just really interesting to think about how there were three possible first to finds first to physically find it first to log it online and first to both physically and qualify for it chronologically first <laughs> so there you go yeah. that's really the kind of complicated story but interesting it was interesting in the moment when we were figuring it all out too yeah, yeah. I think that uh, first to find etiquette itself is is enough topic for oodles <laughs> of shows. <laughs> right, because all of that and it and none of it is even you know recognized. So it's just yeah. what we geek yeah. out on. It's a side game, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that same thing happens with just regular caching, not even challenge caches. It's like. Uh, somebody comes along, they they just open the log and sign on the back somewhere and claim the first to find. But then somebody else comes and sees there's no signatures on there. It's like, yay! And then you realize that you're not actually first to find. Yeah. yeah. Always look for the top start of the log sheet. And that's where right. you see. And don't mess with people. <laughs> not too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, because the interesting thing with challenges is that, like you said, there's what the first to what? First right. to sign, right. first to hold it, all that stuff. So with challenge caches, you've got first to qualify, first to sign, first to qualify and sign. Um, like I kind of find the same sort of thing with earth caches, right? Like yeah. with an earth cache, you have you still have to send information to the cache owner, but that's not public. So mm -hmm. really the only public thing is as soon as you visit the location and you log it found to send in information later, is that a first to find? Because like, that's kind of allowable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So th there's that little bit of, I mean, I, I think it comes down to, you know, it when you see it, yeah. generally speaking, right? It's like if for a challenge cash, I think if, if I were to, uh, you, you don't know if you're actually the first to qualify, you might be able to see if you're the first to check to see if you're qualified because that little project GC uh, image, if the cash owner has turned it on shows the number of people who have, uh, successfully qualified right so and how many if you open up it. yeah yeah if you, if you open up the new cache and it's got zero uh success and zero fails and you go and check and suddenly there's one there you know that you were the first person to check and qualify yeah <laughs> so you could potentially write a note saying first to qualify or, that. Or <laughs> yeah but i mean if, if you start doing that then you could open yourself up to some uh potentially angry other comments from other people. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to be good natured about all of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when it comes to signing, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Like personally, I think if I were to go to a new challenge cash uh, that say I didn't qualify for um, and I found it and signed it, I would probably add on that log sheet saying first to sign, but don't qualify or something like that. But also online, I might write a note saying, "Yay, first to first to sign the log sheet." Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. We can use... write as much as we want on the log sheet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't well, have I... to be just our name. <laughs> probably wouldn't say first to find because that's obviously could raise a whole lot of confusion. So I'd be like, first to sign the log sheet," um, and then and then so let's say if that happens and then nothing else happens between then and the day that I qualify. And then log a find, then I would say first to find on the on the find log. Because it was a first to qualify and first to sign. Well, mm -hmm. first to sign and then first to get everything done to log the find. So that would be, I think, a legitimate first to find on a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, yeah, just qualify the first to find 
first to what, and I think you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a touchy subject. <laughs> like we said, it's all etiquette. It's not rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Team Demp made a, a good point there as well. In the old days, everyone logged at the end of the day or even later in the week. There were no smartphones. Right. There were no and immediate. I'm one of kind of old day people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, how would, you, how would you know? Really, the only guide would be the order of names on the log sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm kind of glad we live in an era of smartphones now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely use it. Um, if I'm first to find, I'll typically take the time to log in the field. I mean, not even talking about challenges. I'll use my smartphone, but yeah, I still like to come home and reflect on my day through logging. Mm. I, and I think um, it's, I, yeah, I think it really comes down to just what the find log represents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the first person to log a find log, having completed whatever requirements for that particular cache type um, and their, their signature is legitimately the first one, then that would be like that. It's, it's a higher, it's a prioritized list, I guess you could say. So the, the first, uh, first find log verified by the first, the, the earliest name of the list. Cause if, mm-hmm. if somebody else signed it first, but you posted the first find log, they for a challenge cache that probably means they haven't qualified. They right. found it, but they haven't qualified. Even though they found it before you and signed, you signed after them, but you also qualified. Therefore, you're the first to find. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's weird to think about stuff like that because it's really just a game, and you're finding geocaches. Exactly everything we've just said. Eh, what what does it matter? <laughs> you have to think about it. Otherwise, it just goes whoosh right over your head. <laughs> But it does matter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and I mean, it, the key thing is, again, remember that it's a game and we want to have fun. And uh, the first to find is not an official thing. Like, don't don't cause problems. Don't cause issues. Right. Just, you know, try, try to be friendly and reasonable with all of that. Yeah. Enjoy what happens. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're there, there's just so much stuff to talk about with the challenge etiquette. There's always so much to talk about with every topic, Mm -hmm. but if you think that there's anything that we missed in this show or things that you think you'd want to touch on or briefly uh, talk about in a future show, uh, once again, we have those community questions. So if you email in uh, your questions to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com, big or small, any questions, topics, anything like that, email them over and we will continue to discuss them at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, if you have any opinions you want to share, by all means, <laughs> be friendly though. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I think we will move on to our game time because that's always fun. <laughs> it is. Wheel of challenges. Yes. So one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel and have a chance to win the grand prize. Once again, it's a one-year membership on Project GC. So to enter, make sure you have your email program open. Right now. Right now, get it open and get ready. uh, Because you'll need to send an email with a subject containing spin me, followed by your geocaching username and the answer to the question to come. Uh, The first verified user gets the wheel. Your profile will be checked live on Project GC, and if you qualify for that particular challenge, you will win. So here is your question. Get that email program open, and remember, destination is challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com, and subject spin me with your geocaching username. In the body, answer this question. What attribute best identifies a gadget geocache? What attribute best identifies a gadget geocache? First person to send in the answer to that question will be will have will be checked online against a challenge on the wheel. So while that is happening, because who knows how long it'll take for someone to get that email in. <laughs> we can chat about the wheel of 
challenges. Uh, let me load this up. This is a very exclusive, brand new thing just for challenge talk. <laughs> <laughs> and how many challenges are on the wheel? There are, oh, how many were there? There were uh, 12, 14, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15 challenges. That's right. 15 challenges. And we, <laughs> we selected all kinds of difficulties to give, you know, a little bit of uh, suspense. You could get selected for a really easy one, or you see it's starting out already on a five-star difficulty challenge. So we'll see. That's right. Yep, and it will spin completely randomly. I am double-checking a username because I think we have a winner, and we All have right. somebody. So we have the first person who has sent in the correct answer was Butterfly Girl Yay. with Gadget Cash Attribute. Uh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm getting my... No, let me scroll back. That Forget what I just said. That is the question was gadget geocache. The attribute that identifies a gadget geocache, the first person is... Ah, DMNREC. Let me double check. DMNREC. Yes, that's a valid username. And you have the correct answer. It is the field puzzle attribute. I can't believe I just said gadget cash. That was the question. <laughs> <laughs> so DMNREC, you are going up against the wheel of challenges this month. <laughs> so let's see. What challenge will you be facing? Difficulty is two and a half star, the 500 trackable challenge. Oh, yeah. So let's load that up. This is GC3F5D4, owned by one bad ant. Two and a <laughs> half difficulty, one and a half terrain. This is in Alberta, Canada. So in this particular challenge, uh, to log this cache, you must have discovered or moved 500 trackables. So that is your challenge. We load up the Project GC Checker. So this is another example of a pre-moratorium challenge published in March 2012. Okay. There's, no, there's no Project GC Checker associated with it or, or created by the cash owner, but there is one associated with it. So somebody else has created it. Awesome. So go to that checker. Five hundred trackable challenge in Canada. Now we can put in any name to check their stats. So let's put in D M N R E C. It'll do an automatic search, and you have to select the username. And now we run the checker. This is it. This is the moment of truth. All right. Qualifies. Awesome. She qualifies. D M N Rec has fulfilled. 500 trackable challenge and so this is so this is an example of a qualification the example log this is the text that you can copy and place into your ah yeah log. i forgot about that i haven't done a checker in a little while yeah so it and includes that's the picture on the log right yes so yeah it, it includes the um uh the bb code not, not bb code anymore the uh, markup code so it'll link uh, link over to the challenge, all that stuff. You can just block that whole thing, copy and paste it into your log. Uh, they've checked and they did. You made it with 839 trackables have been discovered and moved and you only needed 500. So congratulations to DMN Rec. Demon, 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 Demon Rec? I wonder how you say that. Interesting. <laughs> so we will be uh, contacting you to uh, make sure that you get your prize, a one-year membership to Project GC. Nice. That opens up a whole lot of features. That could be another show in itself as well. <laughs> For sure. I need that show. <laughs> I'm look, scratching the surface Yeah, Project GC. It's kind, of, it's kind of like geocaching. If you have a basic membership on geocaching.com, you get the basics. But you mm -hmm. get a premium membership, and suddenly everything opens up. Same yep. sort of thing with Project GC. You've got... Yeah, there's tons of stuff to get into. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations on that. Uh, our second monthly game is 
for monthly challengers. Every month we give a congratulatory shout out to listeners who email us proof of qualifying and logging a challenge cash and anyone who sends an email to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com including the challenge cash GC code and optionally a photo if you want um, for the caches that you found between uh, in that month you will be entered into another prize giveaway. And this month one lucky winner is going to get a... Let's see if I can get this lined up nicely. We have a Cashkins travel bug. Cool. The cool. Uh, um, legendary creature Cashkins. It is the Phoenix. That is going to be the prize for one lucky winner. So let's see. We are also choosing ah, five shout-outs for the show. Maybe provide some inspiration for people uh, mm-hmm. who are looking for challenges to complete or uh, to, to create might give you some ideas. So of the people who have submitted uh, challenge cash fines for the month of August, we have, first of all, one that I think is worth showing, uh, City of Peterborough challenge cash. In this particular one, let's load it up. We have... A three and a half difficulty. It's in the UK, but I thought it was kind of neat because <laughs> this challenge is based at a train station around a historic train mm-hmm. with an ID of 73050. All right. And all you got to do is have found at least 7,305 caches. Oh. That's it. Cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but long, long Watton 34 has uh, sent in that qualification. They qualified and found. And so, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a simple challenge, but it's got a theme. Yeah, exactly. And you qualified. Well done. Yeah. They don't have to be complex. Uh, Secondly, we have the UGC 09A master's degree, the first (laughs) credit challenge. This is one that, uh, Kitty Catch completed uh, this first. So this was like, it's, it's this one seems so complex. <laughs> um, there are a number of qualifications. So they created a an image. Let's see, I wonder if I can load this up a little larger. Maybe. So there's a number of uh, levels to each degree. So this is another pre-moratorium challenge. Okay. Um, but these are each individual caches, challenge caches, and each one has its own challenge to complete. goes up from the certificates, diploma, advanced diploma, bachelor's degree, graduate diploma, master's degree, and doctoral degree. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of big. So this um, is one of those, or you have to do all of that to qualify for this one? This is the master's first first credit. So the master's oh, okay. degree first credit. This so is the, one of them. Yeah, the first of the second last row. And for this particular challenge, uh, you need to... Uh, where is it? Caching chronology. Uh, so... Yeah, <laughs> on long challenge caches, you got to sometimes read through the description to find. There's a lot to read sometimes, and then a lot to comprehend. Yes. Yeah. To qualify for this challenge, you require a 365 day caching streak. So you have to have on your statistics a longest streak of 365 days or more to qualify for this particular challenge. Cool. <laughs> Now, there, there are other challenges similar to this. There's one where you have to accomplish each of these in one challenge. So all of these are all individual challenges in this particular series, but there is like a, a doctoral and master's degree challenge where you each of those are individual challenges you've got to complete overall for that particular cache. Fun. I love people's creativity coming up with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and this like these complex ones really started to show up closer to the moratorium mm. which is arguably another reason why they did the moratorium <laughs> <laughs> they just keep getting co- more and more complex good point 
Next up, we have GC861WT, T5M's 30 Finds, 12,000 Favorite Points Challenge. This one, you need to have 12,000 favorite points shared over 30 finds. So any 30 finds in your history, as long as you can find 30 where the favorite points add 12,000. It's another common one. And I think this is a fairly regional one as well, because obviously if you do this in Seattle, Easy. you probably have no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a good, good one for encouraging people to find highly favorited caches. <clears throat> if you found some of the most favorited in the world, you've probably cha- uh, qualified in under 10 finds. <laughs> yeah. Some of them have thousands and thousands of fine, uh, favorite points out there. Next up, we have, oh, that was Mike Roger who qualified for that one and sent his proof in. Next up, we have Merlin1392 who qualified for GC85G1K, uh, the Century Challenge, mm-hmm. Earth Cache type. So this is another... This is a post moratorium because it's got the it was published in 2019 March, and it has the checker. But to qualify for this one, you have to have found a minimum of 100 Earth caches. This is actually part of a trail of 14 caches. Um, let's actually load it up because uh, so yeah, nearby caches uh, hidden by this user. Oh, what happened there? Hidden by this user will show a map with basically all the caches, ideally, in this series. Um, base clef. What? That's not, that's weird. <laughs> uh, well, let's just load the geocaching map. It will load centered on this cache, and so you can see that trail. Right there. These are all so the challenges. So this is a number of century challenges for different types. Yep. So this particular series has types and sizes. Okay. So there are, there's challenge one for each of seven different types. There's, uh, yeah, virtual, well, types and sizes all together. Um, and I believe he, qual- he, he qualified and found all of these. So well done. Uh, and so... Next up, we have oops, Connect the Counties Challenge. I like this one as well because it focuses on travel. So, oops, that's not the one. Let's load up the correct cache. The Connect the Counties Challenge. In order to log this cache is found, you must find a cache in 100 counties that connect together. I like it. This was found by Abe Wall, who I can load up the image that he sent. <laughs> he has traveled. He created. So this is how it would look if you were to attempt to qualify for this and you aren't, say, going for a county challenge of just uh-huh. completely covering the map of counties. Uh, you can kind of see that he's done this travel of finding 100 connected counties in one go in Perfect. order to qualify for that challenge. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes me really intrigued. I want to look at my map now. <laughs> <laughs> this, Yeah, this is definitely something that you can look at your uh, um, Project GC maps as well and check out which counties you found. Uh, if you look at like which states and provinces and other regions around the world that you've got, it looks like you've cached a lot more than if you break it down to counties. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So those are five challenges that we thought would be fun to highlight. Um, Maybe it'll give you some ideas, but we have pulled a winner from everybody who has submitted a challenge for this month. And so remember for next month, as you Go As you do your geocaching adventures out there, if you find any challenge caches that you have qualified for, remember to send in your email before next month's show and you will have a chance to win next month's prize. Not the grand prize, that's the wheel of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> but this month's winner is, has been chosen at random and is Kitty Catch. Congratulations. Congrats, you have won the 
uh, Phoenix. It's it's a phoenix. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The legendary creature from Cashkins. We'll be in touch with you so that you can send us your contact info and get this special prize. Now, every month, I also like to just do a little quick update on uh, my own uh, Iron Man, Iron Bingo Challenge Cash uh, because it's one of the last pre-moratorium challenges that was published and it's not an easy one and I don't qualify for it either. I still <laughs> got to qualify. You didn't have to qualify for them yourself pre-moratorium. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so I showed this earlier, but it's a grid of uh, a variety of streaking challenges and I'm keeping track of who qualifies first and claims uh, the rows and columns and I have prizes set for people who claim shapes first and for whoever uh, qualifies for the entire grid. So anybody out there, if you want to win a geocoin that is going to be minted at some point in the very <laughs> near future, especially for this challenge, um, then... A well-earned coin, for sure. <laughs> it is GC3D5EB, the Iron Man Bingo Challenge. Uh, it's not an easy one, especially if you've cashed out your own home area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sequential days streaking of anything from cash types to sizes, attributes, ratings, all that stuff. And you have to do it at least 100 because the free space is 100 consecutive days of geocaching. Ah. So this month, there haven't been any new qualifiers, but I'm not expecting too many qualifiers. It takes a long time. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah, I, I need to, I should actually try to work on this myself and <laughs> qualify. That would make a whole different video series. <laughs> We'd love to hear about it when you do. <laughs> well, it'll, it should hopefully take you to some interesting caches as well because one, one of the challenges is for um, abandoned, uh, um, abandoned structures. There's scuba caches, uh, greater than 10 kilometer hikes, UV caches. Like it, it tries, it's, it's a variety of interesting caches. Not your everyday cash find. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping track of that. Anyway, that is all that we have for this show. Uh, If we missed any of your comments, then uh, hopefully, well, we got Jesse in chat. So thanks, Jesse, for for managing all of that and uh, liaisoning with everybody here live. And uh, I hope that you will tune in again next month. The uh, next show is Thursday, October 1st, and uh, that will be a topic that will be announced very shortly. (laughs) Ah, Christopher Christopher Sumter says, I found a bunch of the ones around Cedar Rapids, and I'm now working on qualifying for many that I had not already qualified for. Perfect. That's exactly what challenges do for us. They give us new directions, new things to work on. Yep. And we may have a topic about something related to that in a future show as well, because I, I have to say, I've done the same thing. You, you go out, especially on vacation, and there's a bunch of challenge caches somewhere, find them. Even if you can't yeah. log them found, get there, sign them, because who knows in the future when you might qualify for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is it for this show. Is there anything else that uh, has come to mind that you might want to raise? No. No, just get out there. Find a new challenge, make a new challenge, figure out what your challenge is, what excites you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like put a cache that you, obviously you have to qualify for for it yourself, but uh, if it's something fun that you love to do, then by all means, make a challenge for it. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be like an actual challenge for people. Sometimes new cachers, new geocachers, it'll be hard for them to find 100 caches to log a challenge is found. So <laughs> there's, always, difficulties. there's always an audience for every cat, every challenge out there. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, we will say thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in live and remember to send in your questions and your qualifications for next month's show. And thank you, Jesse Memphis mafia in chat. <laughs> thank you. Thanks everyone. Thank you, and we will see you later. Have a good one. Good night. See you later.